Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 37. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. You are probably more jacked to do this episode than any episode we've done in the entire history of FedHeads, I think. Yeah, you've said that before, but you're probably I, but right I, this well, time. Well, but I think it's. I think I was right all the other times, too. <laughs> and I think I'm right this time because one of the things that I know that excites you about this space is talking about evidence-based policymaking. In fact, weren't you on a commission about that very subject, Commissioner? I've asked you to call me Commissioner, and you have resisted... For 36, 37 episodes. So well, maybe 36. This is the one. So this, no, it is, I just did it, yeah. Commissioner. Great. Um, tell me about that. It. And $10 will get you a cup of coffee. I'm reminded uh, very quickly, we talked to Howard Mortman of C SPAN in the last episode of Fed Heads and a quick C SPAN story. When I worked there, Congressman Jim Traffic came in one time. <laughs> And name dropping, and he was Just, he was going around referring to everybody as Mr. Chairman, and I finally nobody. I asked a bunch of people, "Why does he do that? Why does he do that?" Nobody knew the answer to that, and I finally said to him, "Excuse me, sir, why do you call everybody Mr. Chairman?" And of course, in his quiet, reserved way, <laughs> that, as he was, me up. exactly, he said, "Because I figure everybody in Washington's been chairman of something at some point." <laughs> And that was so. That was so. Now instead of calling I, you Mr. Chairman, I'm adequately insulted. You know we have I'll, guests. I'll call you Commissioner. We have guests here. Well, you, would you like to introduce them, Mr. Commissioner? Yes, uh, Ted McCann, formerly with Speaker Ryan's staff, and now with the, a fellow with the Bipartisan Policy Center. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks great, for having me. Here. Great to have you here, John Ryder, uh, with Senator Patty Murray. Um, uh, who are both here to tell us great stories of bipartisanship flourishing in the Congress. What is the gist of what gets Robert so excited about policy, uh, evidence-based policymaking? Um, John, I'll start with you. And how has that manifested itself legislatively? So I think it's useful to start like the, the beginning of this, which was when our Ted's former boss, now Speaker Ryan, and my boss, Patty Murray, sort of walked through fire together in the fall of 2013. Uh, we had been through that uh, most of 2013, we had this what's called sequestration, across the board budget cuts, tens of billions of dollars in defense and non-defense lasted the whole year. We started off fiscal year 2014 with spending multiple weeks in a government shutdown. We'd had failed bipartisan budget effort, uh, multiple of them uh, not come to fruition, and the two of them got the inevitable task of like figure a way out for us. Um, no one expected them to be successful. Uh, they were. They came up with a bipartisan budget deal that turned off the sequester, set caps for two years, got us out of that morass. Um, coming through that, sort of two things became evident. One, they had a really good working relationship, and two, they had a brand and, a ca and some, some capital they'd accrued. They wanted to put that to good use. Uh, that led to uh, evidence. Um, and it was Speaker Ryan that came up with the idea of doing a blue panel uh, a blue ribbon panel on, on evidence-based uh, uh, policymaking. Um, and the reason that's so powerful to my boss is, you know, now she's over on the health committee, speaker went over to Ways and Means. They do a lot in sort of programs that can really benefit from this. While when they, you know, Speaker Ryan came forward with this idea, she was already working on redoing workforce investment. 
having evidence being both informing the changes in the front end and also how to structure it so you get more information that comes through. It's a really powerful way not only to use money more effectively in Washington, but also really transmit information that's powerful to people that benefit from these programs, people that run these programs to know what works and what doesn't. And that's really why we're all here in Congress is to make, make government better. Ted, what did it look like from the speaker's side, from Congressman Ryan's side, Chairman Ryan's side at that time? Yeah, I think John sort of nailed it. They had gone through, they'd done the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2013, developed a really, really strong relationship. And then uh, the speaker was also coming off of uh, 2012 as sort of the, the vice presidential nominee with uh, running nationally with, uh, with Governor Romney. Um, one of the things that he wanted to do after that was really make a, f- a strong focus on low-income communities, uh, and, and ways that we can improve pop- opportunity mobility for individuals that sort of are struggling a little bit. And as we were looking uh, at a number of things, but, you know, budgets are what they were, especially at that time. Um, latest budgets have been sort of slightly larger. Um, but budgets were what they were. And uh, one of the things that we want to do is get as much bang for, for the buck that we had in terms of social social welfare programs. And so that was one of the big things. Uh, Professor Sullivan from Notre Dame had mentioned uh, Raj Chetty had done this whole equality, equality of opportunity project with IRS data that he'd had, and we we're meeting with Professor Sullivan, who works at the Lab for Economic Opportunity in Notre Dame, and he mentions Raj can get all this great data. Uh, a lot of a lot of us still can't get that data. So what's what's a way to get that data? And then we sort of went back, talked to Senator Murray's office. We also working with one of my colleagues at the time, Donald Schneider. We were trying to figure out what does this look like, and we're like, we have frankly no idea. And so we had to to our everlasting shame, talk to Robert Shea to figure out what <laughs> what would work or not work uh, on these issues. So that's wow, and you made progress of, anyway. Yeah, we did. It's wonderful. The, uh, so you proposed and enacted a bill to create this Blue Ribbon Commission, the Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking. It convened and after about 17 months produced a report, and you've got legislation that has resulted from that. What Did the commission's report and recommendations – uh, achieve what you had hoped? From our, my perspective, yes. I mean, it was really, really well done. I think everybody that has looked at the report thinks it's very well done, and all the commissioners were highly respected, and so we frankly... Including uh, him? Except for Robert. Like, we should always understand <laughs> that we are accepting Robert I from any I missed praise. something. Yeah, no, okay. that's right. So right. From, from the speaker's perspective, yeah, we thought it was fantastic. You know, um, Congress often relies on commissions where the problems are fairly obvious, but the politics are hard. And this was just the, the just the flip of that, where we had two members who were really interested in doing something very meaningful in this space, but really needed help in understanding what would be the big value add here. What's really going on in the executive branch? What are the best practices out out in the in the country? And one of a lot of things that were really interesting in following along, and Ted and I were very involved all throughout it to make sure that we could move quickly once we got to the foundations bill, which we can talk about in a minute, but mm-hmm. was watching how deliberative the, the commission was, including going and surveying like 209 of the offices and the exe- executive branch to see what are, what, are, what, what are these units doing now, what works, what doesn't work, where are the problems. And they really came back in a way of being able to map out sort of the ecosystem in the executive branch and give us a sense of like, we don't need to recreate the wheel here, but there are some, there's some ways we can harmonize the best practices. There's a way we can put in some key actors that can really advocate and make sure that they're the ones whose responsibility is on the line for protecting data and making sure that the capacity building is happening. 
and really, you know, do some smart targeted things that will make a big difference and really lay the groundwork to doing something bigger down, down the road. And really that's what the foundations bills to get all of that sort of foundation in place. Talk about the legislation and how you think it would move the ball down the field. So uh, the charge we got even before uh, the report was done was like, we want and this is from both our bosses, we want to move quickly. We want to make sure we make uh, noticeable improvement in all three of the channels, which is uh, uh, improving secure access to data, modernizing pri privacy, and building capacity. Um, and we want to make sure we have like the right actors in place, the right processes in pro place, the right guardrails, particularly in the privacy space, and getting more transparency out. And that's really what the, the foundation's bill does, is basically get everything up to the water's edge of where you can really do the big stuff. But I think we're in the part where we need to prove it, that, that, we, have, that we have the best interests of the folks who are, who are sharing data with us at heart, that we have complete transparency in what's being done, that we have people who are responsible for overseeing that data and people who are responsible for building those learning agendas, which is one of the key recommendations, um, learning agendas and having chief evaluation officers and having those actors in place. And so all of that's in there, building again, using foundation as a word we use purposely if the foundation's the evidence building act, and then we can go forward from there. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I, from my perspective, I think, uh, chief data officers and having the chief evaluations officers really, really vitally important. And then from a broader political perspective, um, it was interesting as we were doing this, there was one of the, the data breaches that had occurred. I think uh, as we were talking about it, there was some big data breach. And I think one of the important things that the, the foundation's bill does is it really puts privacy at front and center as well, which I think a lot of members are concerned about. I think they look at both the privacy issue as something that they're concerned about and then combined with, well, we also have all this data, like why, um, why are we not getting something for it? So um, I think that's that's sort of where I, I think the privacy aspect was really, really important from a, a political perspective. So what else, what were some of the other roadblocks, if any, that you ran into as far as being able to move the legislation, not oh. from, well, for, I guess from any perspective? I think the biggest roadblock that I've, we faced, so there's a couple different roadblocks. I mean, ho hopefully we'll move it. It will be moved in, in the end of the year here. Um, but from a, a policy objection, what I heard most from individuals was concerns about privacy issues associated with data um, and, and what the government collects. And so I think a lot of those those concerns were generally, uh, they, they weren't necessarily fully informed about what the federal government was doing um, and what the, the bill wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they mainly came from a point of view that the federal government shouldn't have any of this data. And so to the extent that they do, uh, and this is helping uh, entrench that further uh, than it is misguided. So I think that was the biggest policy objection I heard. And then we've heard from some senators and other folks. That yeah, I think partly is, I mean, again, our charge was to be out of the gate as quickly as possible. It hasn't even been a year yet since we introduced, although we went very quickly, thanks yeah. in big part to the staff over on House Oversight and Government Reform. I think they're just being a little bit of time for the Senate and even the administration to catch up and be fully comfortable with what we were doing. So we spent the time, we had been hoped to have it uh, on the F F FY18 omnibus and we're really very close. Yeah. We've spent that time working with those last stakeholders to get as many people on the boat and being comfortable with it. And I think long term, I mean, I'll, be, I'll be extremely disappointed if we don't get it done this Congress, but if, it, if an extra seven months got people who get really invested and have like all sides of the, of the, of the authorizing committees and administration really on board with it, it would have been time very well spent. 
So I think on that, we're, we continue working along. I think we're in good shape. And, and I think before we, we started this, I think my one concern is hopefully we have a robust and meaningful lame duck where we do lots yeah. of things. If we do, then I feel quite confident confident we can get this thing done. How well are the agencies doing at collecting the information that your bosses and other members of Congress would use to be able to make these kinds of decisions? I think it's agency by agency. Um, one of the examples that I was talking about recently was Department of Labor and their, in their evaluation process. It fed into the passage of uh, RACIA, the, the reemployment um, employment activity program, which saved money, uh, according to CBO, on a, on a non-scorable basis. But that ended up in law in BBA, where we're at 18 now? Is it, was it BBA 18? Yeah, there's so many bipartisan budget acts. Um, <laughs> but that became law in that one because it, it showed to save money. That was a direct result of the evaluation by the agencies. But yeah, certain agencies, I think, do better than other agencies, and some are further along. And I think you guys used that process to figure out, okay, what's working at various agencies and, and how can we replicate that across That's the right. The Department of Labor's uh, learning agenda development, the chief evaluation officer is really the model for some of the recommendations in the uh, Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking report. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but one of the major challenges that you, po- you point out is the ability to share data across agencies. We collect so much data Yet every time an agency wants to evaluate a program, today they generally have to go and collect that data anew. And we want to make sure that to the extent possible, protecting privacy, we open the ability to share this information so that we can have a great deal more evidence with which to make these decisions. And these two are among a very small cadre of folks who recognize we're not accomplishing all we want to accomplish. And if we did a better job of creating flexibility, uh, uh, investigating what works and building on that, we can do a lot better with the money we're spending. Thanks for the insight, Commissioner. You're Um, welcome. I just had to get that in there. Um, do, do, Do members of both parties look at the data that's provided to them the same way, or is that further farther out in what you all are working on and is when you say foundations are you talking about just laying the foundation for the collection and collation of the information so a lot of that's done already it's really making sure that the best practices are being done uniformly throughout the government and then the right actors are in place and really just having congress speak very clearly like this is a priority for us congress has been doing a lot of it piecemeal ted wrote a really interesting piece recently um, I think you did that with Nick yeah. on laying out like all the areas where Congress has done a lot through the authorization process on evidence, mm-hmm. workforce investment, K through 12, when we redid No Child, the two things my boss worked on, uh, Families First with foster care. Yeah. We've been a number of those, not to mention the commission itself. But we really want to make sure holistically, from sort of soup to nuts, that we have this really built in. And that requires having the processes being clear, um, having the actors in place and I'm making sure that we're really making clear to agencies that this is a priority for Congress. I think OMB does a pretty good job working on a piecemeal process, but it's not uniform. And there's a lot of places like in the sharing of data where we we could really clarify things and help them by having Congress weigh in here. There's lots of stuff in the the commission's report that's in the process of being done now, but it's not gonna be done as well if we can't have this legislation there, Congress being a key party. The bipartisanship that um, this represents. Uh, I don't really know what my question is, but comment on 
it and how hard it was to do something on a bipartisan basis and whether that helps or hurts move a bill like this uh, to enactment. Uh, I mean, I, I, John mentioned the piece I wrote recently in Roll Call. I actually, I've always pushed back a little bit against sort of the partisanness of Congress. I think the broader... You mean the criticism of yeah, Congress the criticism being of, uh, how unable partisan. to get things done because it's partisan. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, Yes, the major headlines are always showing some large fight, some possible budget shutdown, something about immigration or things where there are really, really strong either policy disagreements or political disagreements. Um, but at the same time, I do think, you know, John mentioned several like major pieces of legislation that were passed both in the Obama administration with the Republican Congress and in the Trump administration, still with Republican Congress, but with broad bipartisan support. Um, and I think part of that is because when people see evidence you know, I think people always think members of Congress are only political and all of that, but I really do believe from my time in a committee, and I'm, I don't know what your experience is at the help committee, but it always means the, the staff and the members were always working closely with the agencies to get the best possible information from the agencies with which to make decisions, and it drove decision-making regularly um, in terms of what policies we were pursuing. So, yeah, I agree with that, and, I, and it, my boss, has, Senator Murray, has many strengths, and one of them is ability you know use a sports analogy seeing running lanes where most people miss them and she's really good on these pathways same with speaker ryan when she sort of saw what the saw what the playing field was on getting the first bba done and same where here she has used evidence in itself as informs the decisions you make to go on the bill but it also creates a new way of approaching problems and gets some of the members on both sides out of just focusing on the one input of how much money you're spending and like and focusing on how are we spending it how can we improve the program how can we reform the program um and so for her, it's been one where I think she has found its way to create new conversations and old problems to get stuff done, like workforce investment, which no one thought she'd be able to get done. Redo No Child Left Behind, which was her mass that her and Senator Alexander were able to do. And really that evidence piece of it broke down some of those old conversations and sort of gave them a new way to start. There's a tendency, I think, in the executive branch, especially at once you get below like the executive suite, to not pay much attention to what Congress is doing it's all politics and it's and so on and so forth. And I think this conversation has demonstrated that's not the case and that people in the executive branch should pay a lot more attention, not to the partisan stuff and the horse race and all that jazz, but to the kind of work that you gentlemen talked about today. And we're grateful for you to come and, and describe what's going on up there. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. And great to see you as always, Commissioner. Finally. Good to see you, Francis. Keep dreaming. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 